No, it's going to start in three seconds. Seven. Look. One, <laughs> two, three. I'm not psychic. Okay. Four, five, six, seven. I'm not psychic either. I can already hear the music in my head. Love my songs. God is so good to me. You'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you guys, by the way. Thank you. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man, behind blue eyes. And no one knows what it's like to be hated, to be to telling only lies. But my dreams, the earth is empty As my conscience seems to be with Amy Cabo. Life can bring many difficult situations, domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. Welcome, Amy Cabo and The Cure. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Cure Radio Show. I'm your host, Amy Cabo, with my amazing partner, Boris. That's me. Hi. Our show is available live on your radio, also live through our app, The Cure, on any smartphone, and our website, GodIsTheCure.com, as well as in social media. We are broadcasting live from Miami through satellite, available on 35 radio stations among 11 states, and soon after the show, any podcast player. First, I wanted to say happy 4th of July and happy birthday, America. We also enjoyed the sun. I'm brown. He's red. I. That's true. Show your red face. I'm, <laughs> I wanted to hide it, but okay. It's funny. We made a joke. I only look like a minority when exposed to the sun. <laughs> well, you're officially a minority. I guess. This show deals with suffering, by the way, and the tenacity of the human spirit, the will to survive, and the courage to keep moving forward despite any obstacle, with the help of God, of course, and each other. We provide testimonials to let people know that they're not alone, as well as experts and inspirational speakers that can also help. In this show, the testimony started with me, having been a survivor of child abuse well into young adulthood. I do believe we're all suffering, and we hope to be a source of healing for each other. My cure was God, but other forms of healing are presented as well to service everyone, as this is a healing show. Life can be challenging. There's always someone who cares. There's always hope. And this we would like you to know. The song we played earlier was Behind Blue Eyes, a police tribute by Odyssey author. How often do we set our feelings and perceptions aside and consider the other side? What it's like to be a bad man, to be a sad man, behind relentless lies. To be the one hated 
even though you're the good guy. Some of us are familiar with these feelings, which help us understand, but no one knew it better than Jesus. It was so important to him that forgiving each other is mentioned in the Our Father, the single most important prayer that exists. Forgiveness promotes unconditional love when God opens our hearts. When love is vengeance, it's very lonely and never frees. We will stop viewing our heroes as villains when we come to understand that they are human also. And today we hope to shed a light in that direction as we discuss the untold stories behind the, the heroes of 911 saving our lives. There are amazing people behind 911, the people who keep us safe. And our guest today is one of the most amazing people, those who help the helpers, Sergeant Mike McGrew. Sergeant McGrew is a 31-year-old, I mean 31-year veteran cop, president of the Police Officers Association and the founder of At Ease Program as he realized the desperate need with law enforcement and first responders community for emotional and psychological support. Sergeant McGrew's life is depicted in the book, A Higher Call to Duty. Sergeant, you are now live. Welcome to The Cure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sergeant, you have seen, unfortunately, firsthand what a hard job can do to police officers and first responders. Rates of alcoholism going higher, divorces, suicides. Your thoughts? Police work is a profession that is just um, overwhelmed with trauma. We deal with uh, traumatic situations. We deal with the trauma that other people have to go through. Um, 35 years ago when I came on the department, um, the Vietnam vets were the post uh, were the folks that I feel paid the price in post-traumatic stress injuries, and um, they were the senior officers, and they would just tell us, "Hey, you know, it's a tough job. Go out and uh, and do the best you can, and, and just suck it up. You're getting a paycheck." And so that started a culture that um, was not healthy for first responders. There was a stigma that if someone was to reach out to get any type of help. Uh, for an incident that uh, they would do so in fear of lo losing their job or, um, you know, having the stigma that they couldn't handle the job. And and so what happened was the fallout was that this profession was just riddled with uh, suicides. The suicide rate is very high. The uh, divorce rate is very high. And uh, substance abuse is, is a problem as well. And... Uh, when a when an officer uh, wanted to reach out, you know there was there was a big hurdle and a big barrier that kept people from um, reaching out, and that was usually because they had to tell their uh, boss that they were not doing well. That um, taking a dead child out of a grieving mom's arms yesterday really messed me up, you know, and, and I'm not doing good today, boss. And what they would say is, "Well, that's great. Here, give me your your badge and your gun, and go sit over there." And, Maybe you'll get your job back. And so uh, as I went through my career, and, and I, I worked 31 years with the most amazing, courageous, 
uh, men and women of character. They were people who go out and they put their uh, lives on the line. They put their hearts on the well, line. Sergeant, describe, describe for us how hard this job could be. Can you tell us about your first day on the job? <laughs> well, uh, one of the first incidents that happened to me, uh, I was on field training officer and I was with a partner and I got a call of a man smashing a window. And so we went to State Street, with the, which is a very busy state uh, street uh, here in Santa Barbara. And it, and it was on Sunday at the visitor destination. So there were thousands of people out on the street. And um, when I arrived, there was a man with a samurai sword and he was attacking people. Uh, just normal citizens on the street. And so wow. my partner and I put ourselves in harm's way to distract the person. Uh, there were so many people out on the street that uh, it was a lethal situation because the man was trying to kill us. He was trying to um, go after other people. But there was not a shot that we could take, that we could take um, because of the danger that it would have put other people into. And so as we went down the street, uh, we we put him between each other and, and we just basically guarded the, the, uh, the people in the, the cars that were stopped going northbound on State Street and the people on the sidewalk. At one point, my partner fell over. He was walking backwards. And uh, I knew at that point that um, as the suspect was coming down with the sword on my partner that um, I was probably going to have to kill this man. And so everything went in slow motion and I remember pulling the trigger and um, I was yelling at the guy, and uh, for some reason, he just turned around and he focused back on me, where I didn't have to um, uh, shoot him. It was um, one of one of the times where lethal force could have been used several times in my career, but um, we were able to um, march him down the, the street. He actually was hit by a police car. A police car ran him over uh, to prevent him from hurting somebody else. He got back up, grabbed the sword, and uh, we got enough mace on him that we were able to subdue him, but that was just the start of my career. Wow. And I remember First day. going, <laughs> yeah. And I remember going home, and and you know you can't really tell your family exactly what happened. You can't really. Um, uh, it's hard to to describe the emotions that I went through that day. But I just remember going home that that night and I actually just threw up. You know, I was just that, um. that was the, the reaction. So. Um, and then it was from there on, it, that's just what you did is you just tried to suck it up. The problem that happens is that first, first responders, um, will begin to isolate. And as they come home and they have, uh, uh they deal with situations that you wouldn't even want to tell your neighbor about, wouldn't even want to tell your family about. Um, but what happens is you, you start to isolate and, and you don't talk to anybody. And that's and, where the danger that's starts. Why, that's why I, I say these are the untold stories. It's not what we see on TV. It's not what we learn in school. It's what these heroes have to endure silently. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we're able to help people understand that it's a very difficult job to work in danger in order to save others also placing your own life at risk and not able to share with your family and that just puts it a little bit into perspective 
We will continue talking with Sergeant Mike McGrew, who's helping us divulge the hard work of our first responders. Please stay with us. We would love to hear from you. 866-34-TRUTH. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and The Cure. Welcome back. This is Amy Cabo. Thanks for tuning in. Remember that you can listen to the radio show live through our app to cure or later as a podcast or also live on all our social media channels. The song that just played, as difficult as it was, was Officer Down by Hannah Ellis. I cannot imagine losing someone that I love in my life, but it's a daily reality when it comes to our police officers and firefighters. In order to save others, they must face and conquer danger in shark-infested waters. They call this their duty. I consider it divine providence, for there is no greater love than those willing to risk their lives to help a stranger. God bless the families of those officers down. We are talking to Sergeant Mike McGrew about the amazing job that our first responders do. Sergeant, have you lost a police officer or a colleague in a line of duty, perhaps at a time that lethal force should have been used but wasn't and the outcome was pretty sad? Any time an officer is fallen, it, it 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 just hurts the entire um, profession. I've been to several um, police officer funerals from agencies surrounding uh, our agency. Uh, we've I've lost friends to uh, to suicide um, because of the the weight of the job. Um, I've seen just um, the toll that that this profession can take on a person because uh, police officers are, are people that uh, go into this job because it's a calling. They're called uh, to go serve. They're called to go protect. They're called uh, to put themselves in harm's way. And, and we expect um, nothing other than, uh, you know, just the, the support of our community at times when, when it's really needed. Um, it's really important. It's not that we always get that. I think 
Um, most of the times you hear from people who don't support you. Uh, but the, the silent majority is out there and, and they're, they're, they're very supportive of us. And that's what, uh, started the 911 Addy International program that I began before I, I, I retired. And God put it on my heart to, uh, to bring some type of healing to the, the fellow officers and the fellow first responders that I worked with. And I, I prayed about the, the barriers that, um, kept people from getting help and much needed help that um, uh, can be very useful. And and uh, through prayer, we came up with a program where the uh, we raised money through the community and an officer or a first responder is able to call a number that is not related to their work, is not related to EAP program or anything else. It's very confidential. And then they can be uh, hooked up with a trauma-trained counselor immediately. And uh, they're in their office. There's, uh, we've taken all the red tape out of it, and we've made it very easy for people to go uh, get the help and, and to stay resilient. We started at one agency here in uh, Central California, and it just grew and grew and grew and uh, throughout three counties. And, and now we are uh, taking this program across the country right now because the demand is so great. The pressures on the first responders has increased. Everything that, um, that you see on the mainstream uh, media at times, the, the negative things that come against the, the people that are out there doing a great job, it, it affects them. It affects their families in, in a very powerful way. Um, and to have the help, is um, is the testimonies are just unbelievable. People are saying that the programs helped save their lives, save their marriage, save their job. Um, we're keeping people resilient. We're keeping our first responders strong so that they can be their best for the communities that they serve. And uh, and it's just a beautiful formula because it's supported by the community uh, itself. And, and people really, uh, they want to be a part of it. They want to support their first responders. And, and it's just very meaningful. It's changing the, the, the culture of first responders where it's okay to reach out and uh, to talk to somebody, to get some tools to, to work through um, issues that they may encounter on the job. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm a man of faith, so God, God was the answer for me for 20 years. I didn't know the Lord, and I tried to do everything on my own uh, and on my own strength until I got to a place that um, I couldn't. Um, my uh, my youngest son was diagnosed with cancer. My older son was involved in the drug addiction. I had lost two marriages, and you know these were a lot of this um, compiled with the stress of the work. You know, put me in a place where I could only look up, and it was at that time that I received the Lord. And, and God gave me strength that um, that I couldn't get any place else. Um, my my younger son did die um, about six years after his battle, but you know I, I saw how the Lord was just so gentle with me and how He was so present. And before I was ever a believer, I I would go to the worst calls. I would see the worst things that people could imagine, and uh, but I would always see something powerful that would follow them. And it would be the strength of a, a sexual assault survivor, you know, uh, uh, just standing up and facing her accuser. It could be a community coming around um, 
a family in need or, or uh, coming together during a disaster. And that was the thing that always kept me coming back for police work, um, because without that, I, I wouldn't have come back. Wow, thank a, you so much for your work yeah. and dedication. It seems and, uh, like the, the Lord has, so, has played a big role in your, in your, in your job. Well, when it gets really difficult and nothing else will work, when we realize we're no one without God, that's when we can truly be healed. But tell me about, you have had jobs as a hostage negotiator. Now that's a whole different realm, but I'd like to see community support behind these first responders and first officers. And the best way to understand that, since we haven't walked in their shoes, is to understand where they're coming from, to hear their stories. And this is, hopefully, when we return, we would love for you to talk about we this. Start, we can start right now, okay? Okay. In one minute. In one minute. <laughs> Tell us something about it. An interesting story. I'll start with it. Uh, about uh, hostage negotiation. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, there was. I was on the hostage negotiation team, and uh, there were several cases that um, that I was called out to. But I think one uh, that stood out was uh, a woman who had shot at another person in town, and um, uh, she was uh, she was going to different towns around us, and she was committing some pretty violent crimes. And I was looking for her, and uh, a radio station called me that covers five states, and it was a pretty famous uh, radio personality. And they said, hey, are you looking for this woman? And I yeah. said, yes, we'll I am. We'll continue talking about that when we return with The Cure, live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Please stay with us. We would love to hear from you. Tell us about a moment when you appreciated our police, had a good experience with first responders, 866 34 Truth. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and The Cure. People will talk, though they don't understand. Situations you're in can get so out of hand. They'll state their lies as if they are fact Once the damage is done, you can't take it back You do your best to protect and serve But are treated in ways that you don't deserve They call your names and spit in your face But if you weren't there, who would take your place? Cause you spend your life in danger Could take a bullet for a stranger Always have to be brave and tough Though it'll never be enough And when they're critical of you They should walk a mile in your shoes The days are hard, the nights are long But you still put the uniform on Kids on the head Just monsters from the streets And not from under their beds What they don't understand Is that you're human too 
to protect and serve But are treated in ways that you don't deserve They call your names and spit in your face But if you weren't there, who would take your place? Who would take your place? Cause you spend your life in danger Could take a bullet for a stranger Always have to be brave and tough That it'll never be enough And when they're critical of you They should walk a mile Now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Amy Cabo. And I'm Boris. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, all shows are available also as a video podcast. Just look for The Cure, please, wherever podcasts are. The song that just played was You Still Put the Uniform On, another police tribute by Odyssey author. All the talk can get so out of hand when we don't understand when lies are considered a fact the damage that's done is hard to take back no one wants to take the place of those mistreated in ways they don't deserve and vilified yet officers bow to serve and protect nonetheless place their lives in danger and be willing to take a bullet for a stranger it takes being tough and brave even when it's never enough. Their days are hard and nights are long. Still, day after day, they put that uniform on. We are talking to Sergeant Mike McGrew about the work of the first responders. Sergeant, before we went into break, we were talking about uh, when you were a hostage negotiator, a crazy woman was going around, I guess, killing people. You said bad crimes, but I didn't know which ones. wanted for a couple of shootings and what had happened was the radio show called me at the station and they said hey are you looking for this woman and I said yes I am and they said well we have her on the line and I said well do me a favor and, and keep us off the air but let me talk to her and what ended up happening was that they put us on the air and we spent several hours that night and the three following nights uh, talking to this woman as she confessed to different crimes one being a homicide as well, and uh, so it was. Uh, it was broadcast over over five states, and uh, each night we knew that she would call into the to the host, and uh, we did our best to, to to bring her in, but it ended up uh, where she ended up um, committing suicide uh, uh, during one of the shows. She uh, she had brandished a gun to another person and was stopped by the police and it ended up uh, where where she uh, she died so it was um, you know it, the the movies don't always show you everything that happens in real life um, as the hostage negotiator you do your best to calm situations down calm people down but um, but there's still that factor that you don't have control over and um, you know it's always sad to to have something not resolved peacefully. But, you know, again, that that was just one of many other um, incidents that I've been involved in. As, as a, and weren't, uh, weren't you also called to assist with a woman that was trying to commit suicide? Speaking of suicide? Uh, 
I mean, yes, I don't want to give your whole book away, but <laughs> these are very interesting yeah. stories. Sorry. Uh, and, there, and there's a lot of those stories, too, so I'm trying to think of Yeah, you're full of them. Uh, so what was the yeah, name of the yeah. book? It's called The Higher Call to Duty, and it okay. it, um, it goes over my life, my journey as a, a police officer, but also uh, as a person going through all the difficult times that you guys are talking about on this show, and and uh, the loss of a child, the addiction of a loved one. The, By the way, the wow, of- the loss of a child and still a believer. I have to con- commend you for that. Not everybody takes that route. Sometimes they blame God instead of Satan. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, and he when he was diagnosed, I didn't know the Lord, and it was about two years into that journey that I came to the Lord, and I could see how God was so um, so gentle with me during that process. And after my son died, I told God that I, I don't want to go to. I was working patrol at the time, and I told God I, I don't want to go to another uh, dead child call. I don't want to go tell a family member that they lost a loved one, and. Um, because I had taken about a month off after my son died. And when I came back, those were all the calls that I went to. And, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> like and the I, suicide and I one? Just, no, but that's a good one. Tell us about that one. Yeah, and I I, I would stand there um, on the doorstep of these families, and um, they could see the pain. They, they knew that I knew their pain. And my heart was just broken wide open. And they would look at me, and they would say, how... How can you survive this? How can you, how can you still be standing? And the only thing I could do was point to God and talk about the strength that God gave me and, and the peace that God gave me. And and, um, and it was a great place to witness uh, about God's love and you know how how He is just so present even when we think we're you know we think we're forsaken we're not He is there He's there in in a, in a way that is so powerful. And so I, I realized that, you know, my, as I went out and as a cop, my, it wasn't about 911 calls anymore. It was about just being a man of empathy, a man of love, a man um, who had a calling to protect others. But uh, it was just um, really important to me that I could share God's grace in my life with others because people listen to that. They may not listen to you should, you should, but they will listen to our stories and our, and our testimonies are powerful. And, yes. um, so wow. Thank you so much. You're an amazing person. Can we talk about the, the suicide call? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to, you want to remind me which one? Uh, I think it's, it's I, the one that you were called on a suicide, uh, uh, woman that committed suicide. But then something miraculously happened. She turned blue and prayed oh, yeah. over yeah. her. It was the resurrection. Yeah, it was the resurrection. Yeah. yeah, I was the resurrection uh, one. Um, <laughs> yeah, God, God began to. He showed me as I became a believer. He, I prayed <laughs> a lot just to be connected, and God began showing me a lot of things, and He uh, and He works miracles. And and in this case, there was a woman who uh, was uh, she was. 23 years old and got a call at a suicidal subject so we went over to her house there were two officers that were there i was a patrol sergeant and um they were calling me because they were going to have to kick the door in to to get access to her because they couldn't find her and and as i showed up the officers had found her and she was in a a garage it was a detached garage 
uh, alongside the house, and she had hung herself from the rafters. And so we cut her down, and she was dead. She had probably been dead 25 minutes at least. Her uh, eyes were fixed and dilated. She was blue. You could see the ligature mark around her neck was pretty pretty bad. And she was just, you know, I've been to a lot of uh, calls where I, I can give CPR and you say, yeah, there, there's a chance here, but this was not one of those cases. But we did call the um, the fire department and the paramedic showed up. And uh, and as I was standing over, um, God had talked to me about a resurrection about two months ago, and I didn't really understand it. Uh, but that very moment, God said, I want you to pray over this one, pray over this one. And so with the police and the firefighters standing around, uh, I knelt down and I, I grabbed a hold of her foot because they were working, you know, doing compressions and things. And and I just started praying. And it was that same feeling that you get when you worship and the same feeling, just the Holy Spirit's presence. And as I was praying for about 10 minutes, um, I looked up and I saw her eyes gently close. And then one of the firefighters jumped back because he was so surprised. And he said, she's got a pulse. And, and then the next firefighter uh, jumped back and said, she's got uh, the blood pressure. And they weren't even ready to transport her because they, they didn't think anything was going to happen. And um, so they just started to scurry and get her loaded up. And I just started praising God you know, because I knew that God had, um, had brought her back. And, that, and uh, yeah, that's so, what I'm talking so, about. <laughs> There, there's God is incredible. There's there, nothing's impossible for Him. He's still bringing alive those from who are dead, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you for sharing. We would love to hear from you. Call us about your positive experience or not. Eight six six thirty four true. No, don't call us if you don't have positive experience. with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Hi again, and thanks for tuning in. We're live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern on your radio, our app, The Cure, and on social media. Just look for God is a Cure. Later, the show will be available as a podcast as well. Just search for The Cure, well, she says it, on any podcast channel. And subscribe, please, so you don't miss any episode. If you like it, rate us. That song that just played was Answer the Call by Shayna Jackman. 
The line between life and death could be that dispatcher and the officer close by. It's when we hear that friendly voice and no help is on the way that we gain a glimpse of hope to live another day. It's just a job to them when they answer the call for these angels don't wear wings. They just rescue us. That's all. Wow, well, you're a poet too. <laughs> We're talking to Sergeant Mike McGrew about the amazing job our first responders do. Sergeant, I wanted to uh, commend and acknowledge the amazing men and women behind the 911 calls. They are the first to receive them. They stay with the caller while they dispatch help. Can you share a story about them? <laughs> yeah, the, the dispatchers across this country are amazing people. They're, they're people who bring calm to situations when um, somebody calls 911. It's, it's a pretty dramatic time in their life, I'm sure. And uh, dispatchers are trained to, to de-escalate situations and, and grab information uh, for the responding officers. They're there to help with emergency medical um, uh, advice where they will walk somebody through CPR, they'll walk somebody through their child choking, um, clearing an airway. It, it, it takes a very special person to do that job. There's a lot of pressure that comes on them. And uh, they aren't there, um, other than their word, their presence over the telephone, to really control what's ha what happens. I think as an officer responding, you get a sense of a little bit more control because you're there and you're able to deal with it. But the dispatchers, they just do an amazing job. They, they take care of the, the officers that are out in the field. They, they keep track of them. So if somebody's not checking in and you know, they're stuck in a dark alley somewhere, then they're they're there to um, to watch our backs in a, in a, in a very big way. So uh, they're my heroes. I've always loved dispatchers. I love the job that they do. I love their hearts. Uh, it's not an easy job, but it, it is such an important job. They it's save lives. I mean, yeah, get me if I'm wrong. They connect the dots. They make things happen. And for those of us who have watched 911, we can tell it's, <laughs> it's emotionally draining. As I've seen the dispatcher in 911 break down emotionally because somebody commits suicide while she's trying to get them to stay alive. And sometimes they take that upon themselves. And that's the difficult part is that, you know, the, the that's the danger. They're not exactly in the middle of danger where people are shooting at them, but so much depends on them. And that's highly stressful, is it not? It is. It is. It's a very stressful uh, occupation. It's, it's actually hard to recruit for that position. It's hard to, to retain for that position a lot of times just because of the, the stress that comes in. But um, I, I have to tell you, they, they are very special people, and I think they're gifted. You know, when you come into this profession, whether they're believers or not, you know, God gifts you with the level of discernment that, um, that really is useful, and um, and he gives us with those words to speak to to those who need comfort as well. So um, we, you know, we we do a lot of background checks, and, and just the the hiring process to be an officer or dispatcher is very rigorous. 
And oh, I know two people who failed the psychiatric. <laughs> it is very rigorous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And and it's just, you know, it, it's something that, you know, not everybody, I think it's the ratio is one out of every 100 applicants uh, would be uh, considered for the job. Really? So, wow. so it's, it's not, yeah, so it's, it's you know, there's, there's a lot of high standards that, that go with it. And, That's amazing. And there's just a lot of people doing amazing job you know every every day there's tens of thousands of heroic uh, acts that happen and um, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, volatile situations that are resolved peacefully and you don't always hear about that that's yes. not what makes the the news but yeah. that's what happens every single day but that's that's why the job of the police officer is so but amazing. it definitely exists where there's good evil must exist and vice versa can i ask a silly question Sure. I know that you were a motorcycle cop too. Um, is it true now? Sorry, that motorcycle cops take give more tickets? Only if you have a red face. <laughs> <laughs> Do they give more tickets? Yeah, they, they give more tickets. They're, they're assigned to traffic, and so that's one of the. They're a specialty unit, and they're supposed to go out and and oh, okay. uh, you know affect the traffic. Uh, so they, so that's what they do. Do they will write more than than like a black and white, um, right? But uh, I was a I was a sergeant, so I didn't have to write very many tickets. So I was okay. I was uh, I was I never liked writing tickets. I just um, but I did meet an awful lot of nice people, and uh, nice. You know, there's lot, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stops that I had that ended up in prayer, and, uh, and nice. God uses motorcycle cops too. Of course. Well, well, I figured they have to write tickets. It's not like they can put the person in the back of the motorcycle yeah. car, uh, motorcycle, <laughs> and take them to jail or home. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. So they have their special part. Thank God. How about canine? I I know that you were canine officer as well, or sergeant, canine sergeant. Yes, I was a canine sergeant. That that was uh, that was a that was a good job. I didn't personally have a dog. So I was the one who had to wear the bite suit every training day. So I got bit by the dog, and, and any time the dogs were used or deployed out in the field, I was the one that had to do the investigation to make sure the use of force was right. But uh, the programs are, yeah, the programs are amazing. Those dogs are—they saved lives. They saved the officers' lives. Um, they are amazing dogs. They—they're uh, used for drug apprehension and criminal apprehension and. And they're just—they're—they're um, an, they're an amazing tool that we Explosives have. Explosives too. And they also will—they'll also de-escalate the situation because <clears throat> people may—you know—you show up and they may give you yeah. a hard time, but uh, they don't <laughs> tend to give the dogs a hard time. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Amy always says the dog is actually got spelled backwards. They're the best animal. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> But how about, uh, have you ever had to come and aid two paramedics who are going there to help someone else? Uh, paramedics, sure, yeah. We, that, that would come, uh, that would happen all the time. Where police, uh, you know, we work closely with the fire and the paramedics. And a lot of times people will um, call for a medical incident, but... Uh, it may all the information not come may not come out. It could be a shooting, it could be a stabbing, and that didn't even come out. And so the paramedics, when they go in, they have to be very careful. But we're right there for them. Um, 
and and we're there to protect them so that they can do their job well. So and, you guys just and, rescue you know, everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Amazing. You love everyone. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. We should have uh, named the show Our Heroes. They are our heroes. There you are. Well, we have only a few minutes left. Thank you, Sergeant, for being on the show. There's so many questions. An yeah. hour is never enough. Sergeant, thank you so much. It was a great pleasure talking to you. And thank you for your service. Angels like you don't wear wings. We know. <laughs> More information on him can be found on SergeantMikeMcGrew.com. Get his book, A Higher Call to Duty. Definitely is a higher call. And it's a tremendous duty for which there's great reward. Believe me. And if you're a first, first responder, you can Maybe visit... Maybe here on Earth. <laughs> and if you're a first responder, you can visit the organization that he helped uh, open up, 911aei.org, right? To receive access to free trauma counseling. Yes. People, you can still be tough and get help. We love you too. Yeah. <laughs> to all the first responders and all the police officers, we're praying for you. We got your back. Yes. So let's finish with a prayer, as we always do. Let's pray for our first responders. Lord, in the rigors of training and the demands of waiting and preparation first responders go through, please sustain and strengthen them. Go before them and prepare the way. Guard their going out and they're coming in. Make them sharp as they train and prepare and give them supernatural calm and recall when they must apply their training. Father God, keep our first responders safe in every situation. Give your angels charge concerning them. To guard them in all their ways, show yourself strong on their behalf and be their refuge and fortress in times of danger. Hide them in the shadow of your wings and cover them with your feathers. Let your faithfulness be their shield and protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to our audio producer, Beth Ann, for being with us today, playing my songs and making our show sound good. Thank you to Robbie Dillmore of Kingdom Pursuit and Christian Cargai for his continuing guidance and his love and dedication for others. His shows are truly awesome, inspiring, and very informative. This is Amy Cabo. You have been listening to The Cure. Please check our podcast, The Cure with Amy Cabo, our app, The Cure, and our website, GodIsTheCure.com. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's available on Apple, iTunes, or everywhere else. And don't miss an episode by subscribing it. Oh, we said that already. And also rate it. Sergeant, again, thank you for being on the show. You want to say, say something yeah. last min last second? I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful that you just uh, put God's word out there for everybody and that there is hope in any situation. We, we thank all the people that support uh, the first responders. It means a lot to us. And we'll always be there for you so god bless thank you, you all everybody. god bless you thank you for listening and being with us until next week stay safe keep the faith and god bless thank you for listening to the care with amy cabo 
For more information or to get Amy's book, Love is the Answer, God is the Cure, or to listen to the podcasts of previous shows, visit GodIsTheCure.com.